Hey everybody, it's Tommy Canale and welcome to Before the Lights Podcast. The show to find out how those in sports, music, and entertainment made their mark. Today, she is the editor of three online magazines, a writer for many publications such as Access, Yahoo, Spin, and Online Entertainment, a songwriter, producer, author of children's books. She's a poet and the owner of Inside the Song Promotions, a PR specialist. Her clients include Radio, Zebra, Molly Hatchet, Ambrosia, Ricky Medlock of Leonard Skinner, and Little River Band. Please welcome to the show, Donna Nolan Wilson. Donna, welcome to Before the Lights. Thank you for having me. Before we get going, I want to do a special shout out to Kelly Burgeon, the newest member of the BTL crew. If you'd like to join the members area, go to beforethelightspod.com slash support. That's beforethelightspod.com slash support. We'll get you some bonus content, the extra five of all the interviews we do and a couple rewards as well. So go there and check it out. Donna, to start with you, who is Donna as a high school student? Oh, as a high school student, that's scary. That's, <laughs> that's very scary. Well, um, I didn't want to be in high school. Okay. I didn't want to be there. So I doubled up and I graduated early. As a high school student, though, I can tell you that I love to type. And my favorite class was English. Go figure. Gotcha. All right. So it makes sense. And, and then in 1986, you were a writer for the Long Island Veterans Time being that you started out and you're saying that you like to type and English was your favorite subject, what did this job teach you that maybe you're still using today? Well, um, compassion for veterans would be the number one thing that it taught me. I met a lot of vets um, who felt lost and underappreciated or not appreciated at all. So um, I guess just compassion and as a songwriter, I've written several songs that support veterans. So I've carried that throughout my life. Um, interviewing people, being compassionate when you interview people. You know, I mean, people, you can be hard hitting, but you can also be compassionate. You know, you should show compassion to people, no matter who you're interviewing. Agree 100%. You, would, you completed New York real estate school, and then for 16 years, you were a paralegal at Stephen Kuzma in Long Island that dealt in real property law. How mm -hmm. does somebody that has the background of real estate and paralegal get into the music business? Okay. I can't believe you picked up Steve Kuzma. There was many more attorneys. He was <laughs> my second to last attorney's office that I actually worked in. Um, well, one of the things that it taught me was contract law. So um, when I, made my metamorphosis into the entertainment business. I was able to take, you know, how to, how to create a contract with me. And so I did that. Um, real property law, you know, that, I mean, as far as real estate, that doesn't go into, well, I can't really say that because one thing you don't know is that I recently discovered that here in Tennessee, where I live, if you're a notary Republic, you can do closings. Mm. So um, during this pandemic, or actually toward the end of the pandemic, I refinanced my house and a man came to my house to do my closing and he was 
terrible. <laughs> he was he was just terrible. And so I made a few phone calls after he left because I said, these people need help. If this is what they're sending the people, because he said to me, oh, you all you have to do is be a notary to do closings in Tennessee. And I'm like, you're kidding me. So I became a notary and started to, you know, and I did my first closing um, on October 30th or 31st. But the people were not wearing masks. And that frightened me. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, because I'm sitting there masked up. And I just said to myself, it's not this. I'm going to wait until the pandemic slows down a little bit. So, yeah, let's add that to my my latest <laughs> list. I'm, of- I'm always doing something, though, and I have to be busy. I have to always be busy. How did you get or get or start your break into the entertainment music business? Had my first song published in 1992, a song called In My Dreams. I was still living on Long Island at the time, but a uh, somebody breaking into the music business, a newcomer in, in Nashville, reported it, and uh, I said, "Oh, I, you know, that's there was." I never had a feeling like that before to have something that I wrote, you know, be turned into a song. So I thought that that was great. Um, how do how did I do that? And then when I ended up coming to, well, I started co-writing online with different people. Okay. And I ended up, that's how I met my husband. And we wrote together for about two years. And then, and we, we kind of thought something was happening, you know, online for the first year, but then from year one to two, we knew something was happening, but he was up in Michigan and I was on Long Island. So you have to wait to meet each other. And uh, we finally, we finally did with that big build up. Oh no. What if we are face to face and decide we don't like each other, but that didn't happen. Uh, we met in January of 1998, and we were married on July 10th of 1998. Wow! And we're and we're still married. That's awesome. Um, and, and he is my co-writer. Um, anyhow, we we uh, he moved to New York for about a year and a half. We left New York. Went. We wanted to go to Tennessee, but we did not know anybody. And I had a sister living in uh, Buford, Georgia, so we ended up going moving to Georgia first, and then we started commuting back and forth and. During that time, and as luck would have it, because this is how things work in people's lives, we had just contracted to have a house built in a place called Winder, Georgia. And um, it's kind of in the um, foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, and it's beautiful, beautiful location. And it was no sooner, it was probably a week after we were in contract, that I got a call from Nashville that the Broken Spoke Songwriters Cafe wanted me to produce a, a uh, internet show from the broken spoke. So that was my very first uh, foray into being any, any kind of a producer. So we were, there was a company called live, live on the net and they were out of Alabama. They came down to the broken spoke. They hooked up this camera and every night we went live for one hour. So I, I would actually monitor the show. I'd watch my own show every night sitting in Winder, Georgia. And then on weekends I would go, uh, you know, head up to Nashville and have my production meetings with my songwriters hosts. Um, from there, I, we ended up opening up our own cafe called Inside the Songs, Songwriters Cafe and Guitar Store in Winder, Georgia. And we were about a year and a half old when 911 hit. And mm. I don't know if you remember back then, but everything shut down. Yep. Much like the pandemic, everything yes. shut down. And we had to decide, do we want to get a business loan? Because we were literally paying the store's rent. Nobody was coming out. 
And it was, you know, it was a brick and mortar place. This was a place people would come and there's even a little commercial on uh, YouTube for it, you know, where you can see what it looked like and everything. And uh, we made the decision to not throw good money after bad. We didn't know when this thing was going to be over. And we just paid off basically the lease and closed it down. And that was painful. It was very painful to do that, but we had to do what we had to do to survive. And then um, from there, I had booked so many songwriters in and songwriters started getting in touch with me saying, you know, you're so good at all this booking stuff and contract stuff. Would you book me? Would you represent me? Would you? And so that's where Inside the Song and its promotions comes from. Started in in the uh, year 2000 and it's just been going since then. I've had that website, InsideTheSong.com, since the year 2000. Love it. Being that we're talking about songwriter, you have a songwriting service called Your Song. And for anybody out there, can you talk about that? Wow, I can't believe you found your song. You really do your research. <laughs> Thank okay, you. So I have a really good I have a really good friend named Megan. And she says to me, I don't know why you don't do something with these songs. And she had a daughter getting married, and she said, I would love to have, she's a single mom, and she said, I would love to have a song written. Um, for my daughter's wedding, because I'm going to dance the first dance with her. So we wrote the song. And then, you know, so from there, it was like, all right, so let's do this. Now, that's fledgling. That's brand new. It's, it's you know, her daughter only just got married this past summer. So um, and I haven't done a lot of promotions on it, but that's the whole idea behind it. If somebody has a, a, something special happening in their lives and they would like a song to memorialize it, they can go to inside the song. There's. It's got its own page, your song, and they can contact me and we will write a song for uh, any special occasion they want to be memorialized. Go to the show notes, people. I'm going to put a link right to your song and you can get in touch with Donna and have a song written for your special occasion. We talked about it's been 21 years now for Inside the Song Promotions. I want to start here with it. The four P's, public relations, promotions, publicity, I love the last P of possibilities. It's just on what you can really do with this company. Yeah, well, because one of the part of the magic of promotions or publicity is either taking something that isn't much and making it something spectacular or um there is possibilities. One thing leads to another, leads to another, leads mm-hmm. to another. And it's just a never ending. And that happens all the time. And it, and it almost comes in waves. And, and I have a very good friend who I also do some PR for. Her name is Hallie Castle Jane and she's a magnificent, brilliant woman. And so with the other day we were talking about this and that for something that she's written, turning it into a screenplay and, you know, who do we know? Who do we know to do this and do that? And the next thing I know, I get something in my DM from somebody else who was actually in movie production. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> and that's how it happens. It's boom, 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 boom. And contacts and, and just networking. And it's incredible how that works. And it's a lot of fun and it's exciting. And especially when it hits like that. Oh, uh, yes. It's like, it's, was somebody listening? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, the possibilities are endless in any business. That's why I really love seeing that word possibilities in your four piece because it's you don't really see it in people's mission statements 
or things that uh-huh. they're trying to do with their company, but you just put it out there of possibilities and it kind of yeah. opens your eyes going, well, that's endless. Maybe, maybe what I'm yeah. doing or somebody else doing fits into inside the song promotion. So I love that. That's right. I mean, you know, we specialize in singer songwriters um, and, and music, but I, I you know, I, I do books. Um, I'm, I'm involved with CAF, which is Creative Arts Love Festival. I don't know if you picked up on that in, in any of your wanderings, um, but that brings in people of the creative arts. And, you know, you can you can be uh, work with acrylic paints or uh, wood carvings or yes. any anything, you know, anything that's artistic. You can have a booth and set up, you know, whatever you do uh, at Creative Arts Love Festival. Um, unfortunately we started that a couple of years ago and then we, then the pandemic hit, you know, and people, <laughs> so we kind of went to online with that for a little while and we're looking to get back into doing it, you know, at locations. And I actually want to bring it to Tennessee. So we were doing it in Florida. I want to do one year in Tennessee next year, Florida, and kind of, and then d- do them off season. So yeah. like in, when it's nice here and then when it's nice there, you know what I mean? That yes. type of thing. So yeah, I'm involved in Creative Arts Love Festival. So we call we call it CAF for short, you know, and we and we we love that. We love that. What are the number of clients then that you represent in everything you're doing? Uh, you know, it varies because I, I represent different people. At different times, like I have a client who is releasing a single on December 6th. So that's going to be that's going to take up a bunch of time for the next, you know, two weeks to get her ready to to take that single off. Um, my I just had my husband remix one of his songs. It's a song called The Ghost of Christmas Past. It's actually the song that I fell in love with him because of. And so it's an old song, but I told him, I want you to remix it, remaster it, and I want to release it as a single. So right now it's getting ready to be distributed worldwide. So we have that, you know, so as soon as that is released, as soon as it's available, it's supposed to be available December 1st if everything falls into place. And then we'll be running with the Ghost of Christmas Past. So um, it, it can be at any given time. I can have any artist who's getting ready to release something or do something, you know, like today, um, I can check my phone if I knew where my phone was right now and, uh, and, and see that, you know, I'm trying to get approval on a Black Friday mm. sale that will run through Sunday. And that's for Wayne Nelson of Little River Band. He has a he has this really cool podcast that he did. It's like a 10 video series that he did with his best friend. And it documents his entire musical life up until 2020. And I mean, everything I'm talking about everything and, and it's incredible. And, you know, so it's like, okay, so, you know, we should probably run a black Friday sale on it and have it extend till Sunday. So I'm waiting for his, he just needs to say, yeah, run with it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'll get that from a lot of them. I'll come up with an idea, like, let's do this and, and shoot, shoot a text or whatever, run with it. And then I run, I'm off. And, um, and that's kind of how it works um, at any given time. It's, it can vary, you know, so some, some get more attention than, than, you know, Little River Band gets a lot of my attention. Um, they're very, they're probably one of the hardest touring bands mm-hmm. in this country. Um, they tour about, about 11 months a year without fail when there's not a pandemic. Um, they were probably one of the first bands back after the pandemic and um, using all of the uh, common sense masks and everything else you know um and they have a full calendar already for 2022 how do you find 
artist to sign or represent? Do they contact you? Is it a combination of you contacting them, networking? How does all that happen? Networking mostly, you know, it's, I mean, I have criteria, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I, I have to really believe in you. If, if you're not, if, you know, if you're not like a national name, I have to really believe in you to work with you um, because it's time consuming. And if you're taking time away from one, you know, somebody, you know, and, and I can't do that. So it's kind right. of like, I have to really, really believe in you. Um, I get contacted all the time, you know, and some people, if, if there's something that triggers me to want to look, then I'll look. Uh, but I'd say referrals, networking, it's more, it comes to me through a backdoor type of thing. For our listeners, if you would speak regarding all that goes into promoting like Little River Band or somebody in your client list for tour, because this has to be very involved. Can you explain to our listeners what all is involved in that? Right. So, you know, a date is contracted and they're, they're heading out and they're, you know, going to be in this, this town, this city, this country, whatever the situation is. Uh, one of the things I specialize in is tour media. So like if they're going to Atlanta, then I'm going to set them up with interviews for local radio stations or print media to promote the show. And then of course, there's all the online things. And I've, I've recently discovered every day things change online. So for instance, a, a client who I did a single for two years ago, the one I'm releasing the single for December 6th, she said, is it, do you still need from me what you needed last time? And I said, oh, no, it's all different. <laughs> <laughs> it's all changed. And, it, and it's, it's an education. It's an education that never stops. Every year, things change. And we have curators now, you know, with, with uh, listening to music. That's like new. That, we didn't have curators and playlists you know, get it. You got to get on this playlist if you want to be. You know, this person's got a million listeners. You got to get on this playlist, and it's and it's it's um, you know, people that and you hear this all the time. Uh, what are they called? I can't remember the name now. People that like on TikTok. You know, uh, people that other people watch. Oh, like the online creators. Yeah, well, not just the, the creators. Um, it's who people are looking at for the next style, the next best thing, you okay. know, that type of thing, you know? So, and um, everything changes every year, you know? So every year I have to change. I have to change with the times. Mm -hmm. And I know that's cliche. But it's true. But it's true. Yes. Yeah. And, that, and that involves taking, you know, like I'll get offers all the time to do this and do that for, you know, like uh, bands in town, all of the different platforms, Spotify, they, they will all say, you know, Zoom even, hey, there's a course. I'm sure you see, yeah, you, can, oh, yeah. you know, there's a course you can, you know, so you end up taking these courses to see what what better way you can help your clients or mm -hmm. whatever your business is. And it's like, it's never ending. So it's it's a ongoing education. And by the way, in the, uh, in the field of law, it's the same thing. When you're an attorney, you have to update yourself and the changes as well. So um, we, I, we used to do a lot of social security disability law in one of the law firms. And I literally used to go like every two, three months to these, they had these little conferences and you would sit down. They were like training courses. 
and you would sit down with with other attorneys and you they would show you what you needed to know now mm-hmm. you know so it, it's it, every business i think it's ongoing education always on top of that because this just brought a question to my mind what are the struggles then of being a, a music promoter producer you, you encounter all the time there's well the music promoters i see it's kind of like i, I do promotions but i'm not a promoter I, and I know that that's how the, the word that I know for promoters are people who buy shows. Okay. And so in, in like in my line of business, a promoter is somebody who's bought the show okay. and I'll work with that promoter and I'll work with that promoter's marketing team. And that's another whole aspect of this. I work with a different team on every single show. And, you know, when you're doing Little River Band does anywhere between 80 to 100 shows a year. And I have a different marketing team with every one of those shows. Unbelievable. I don't know how you yeah. keep it straight. It's you can get busy. You can <laughs> get bet. so busy. And then there's always you always got the glitches happening too. So say website's supposed to help service some of this stuff, but the website just doesn't cooperate. And no matter how many times it, you know, people try to repair it, it doesn't. They come to me, I service them. You know, somebody needs something for a show, they're gonna get it from me, you know, and they're gonna get it big. So I've I've started um and one thing that I've learned recently, and especially with Facebook, and I don't know if you do promotions on Facebook, but Facebook I do. Is, is no longer manual friendly. They want you to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. You know, everything. I mean, everything. It's ridiculous. So you have to find your little ways around because it'll cost you a fortune if you if you have to lay that out. And I, I used to always do all manual promotions. Um, and now it's like they want you to pay, pay, pay. So I've discovered little tricks of what, you know, and you have to play with this and see what gets you the most looks, you know, the most likes, the most shares, you know, so there's all these little things to do. And, you know, I have to watch that all the time. And then you have your artists come to you. And there's so many artists out there that don't know that they have absolute control over their YouTube page, every time you have a song that gets distributed through iTunes, Apple, CD Baby, whatever the situation is, whoever you distribute it is, there is an automatic or an instant page created on YouTube for that product. And what artists don't know is they have every right to claim that, every right to just go and claim it, and they just don't know it. They also have every right to claim their Spotify page, and they don't know it. And, you know, so like I'm giving away some free advice. Yeah, you are some golden nuggets, people. (laughs) It is Um, because what people and they'll say, really, really? How do I? But you see, they don't know how to do it. And I know how to do it. So, you know, like, yeah, free. And they'll have to do some investigation there themselves um, to figure it out. But you know what? If you're a smart cookie, you can figure it out and you can get it done for yourself. Um, but there's so much that people don't know that, that they're entitled to because it's, it's their brand. It's their name. It's their product. It's not Spotify's. It's not YouTube's. Mm-hmm. It's theirs. It's their I, own I, brand I, development. Yes. It, well, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I just, I'm working with, I'm speaking to somebody today, um, who is a very much like me. She's got her hands in a bunch of different things. And she said, you know, what do you think? And my advice was, we need to conglomerate you. You need to be a conglomerate and we need to brand you as a, and then every other little thing you do is a subsidiary of that. Because in order to 
do you know how expensive it would be to take everything that she does and promote that one, one at a time rather than have it under one brand. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. You know, like, like Coca-Cola sells soda, but they've got all different kinds under there. It's not just Coca-Cola. Right. You know what I mean? There's other, there's other things. There's Sprite too, right? Yes. You know, so I mean, Cherry Coke, there's other things in there, you know? So Mm -hmm. it has to be under the one, the one big mantra basically, you know? Tell us about Backstage Pass, behind the scenes, latest and breaking news in music, TV, and more. Okay, so Backstage Pass news um, surprised me this year. Uh, she's actually been around a while, and she just never did very well, and I didn't understand why. And I put her into a different platform, and she took off. She took off like a little jet plane. I was like... Go, you go, girl. I think, you know, it's kind of like you think of them um, as, you think of them as like, I don't know, I name my cars, you know, so I guess I I put sexes on them and I give them names and uh, she's really taken off and she's, she's done really well uh, these past couple of months. She, you know, specializes, of course, it's all entertainment, you know, so it's, it's anything that has to do with the entertainment world. That's part of what she does. I don't know how much more you want me to say about her other than um, my goals for Backstage Pass News is to be really prestigious. You know, I want all, only top notch um, real news, number one. You know, I, you know, there's no what people call fake news. I mean, this is all, you know, real stuff. There's nothing. No one's ever going to go there and say, oh, that can't be true. You know, it's not going to be the Inquirer or even TMZ. It's right. not going to be sleazy. It's never going to be sleazy. I don't do sleaze. I enjoy it. It's a good page. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes as well. There's going to be a bunch of links, people. So get to the show notes. In 2000, you became an author with your first book and now have children's books. The Traveling Jalapenos, Cousins yeah. Rancho, Emilio, and Hector Grande. Where did yeah. this idea come from and why jalapenos? Grandchildren. Ah. I have grandchildren. Okay, so we would do um, every other, well, we would do Taco Tuesdays like on Sundays. Okay. And um, so we were not living far from each other, but it was kind of like we would rotate. One week would be in one house and the other week would be in the other house. And at some point, I bought a jar of jalapeno peppers. So we start these jalapeno peppers started traveling back and forth because no one, no one who, how many people buy a jar of jalapeno peppers? I mean, it's not something that I don't believe everybody has on their weekly shopping list. And um, they traveled back and forth. And, you know, I was, I, my imagination is always going always. When I was a child, I used to daydream out the classroom window and wish I was somewhere else. And, um, so the grandkids were, were gathered around and, you know, we were joking and I was talking about the traveling jalapenos. And I said, you know, these, these poor little things. And, you know, they, you know, they don't want to be eaten. You know that they don't want to be eaten. And the kids were like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, what wants to be eaten? Nothing wants to be eaten. They're, they, they're vegetables. They're alive. You know, they, they were living. So uh, that's how it was born. It was, you know, and, and they do good. They, they travel around the country. They have their own CD. I don't know if you saw that. I did. I did. And it, it, it's all life lessons for children. Um, they're probably today. I probably get, and I, I haven't really done a lot with, of that, with them because I'm afraid of getting attacked 
for being politically incorrect because they're they're the traveling jalapenos. (laughs) I mean, Dr. Seuss got nailed. What are they going to do to my traveling jalapenos? (laughs) You know, so that's funny. But yeah, no, they're near and dear to my heart because of how they came about. Um, They were created with love. They truly were. And um, also, uh, I have a really great friend. His name is Lee. Uh, Lee Raskinet, he is a songwriter host in Nashville. Very first person I ever met in Tennessee when I came to Nashville back in like 1996. I actually knew Lee before I knew my husband. Mm. And um, it's kind of modeled after him. He's half Mexican and half French, and I love him to pieces. And, uh, he, you know, he he's everybody in Nashville knows him and loves him. And also I, w- I want to do a shout out to Debbie Champion, too. Who is also she's like the queen of songwriter hosts, and Lee is like the, the king of songwriter hosts. Um, you know, they host these these songwriter shows where all of the hit songs are born in Nashville. All of them. Love it. And you know, we 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 sat and heard these songs before they were pitched to publishing, you know, or to artists. And uh and, and all the songwriters know each other and and we're one big happy family. We really truly love each other and support each other when there's trouble. Great. Outside of the traveling jalapenos, there's Tilly the tomato, but I want, Mm -hmm. I want to touch on firefly Christmas. If you would talk to my listeners about what this book is about. Okay. So, um, she was at the firefly. Her, her name is Danny. And, and I kind of dubbed her after my daughter, Danielle. And uh, she was actually written a long time ago. She was written, that story was written originally back in like 1999, but I kind of updated it and uh, named, instead of one little girl in the story, I, I made their two little granddaughters, which are my two granddaughters who live in Australia, um, Ashley and Holly. And so it was kind of modeled after them, although they have a very much alive father. The dad in this story, the mom was a single mom, so I kind of just left him gone. But my daughter is happily married to uh, a, a nice Australian man, and they live in Australia. So, um, but for years, I will tell you, for years, uh, one night when I was in Nashville, I sat down with somebody and described this the story to this person, and she kind of she kind of drew like a firefly from you know for me. And I took this little drawing and I had it in my wallet for years, twenty years. And then like last Christmas, I said, I should really do something with this thing because, you know, so I I literally went online. I found an illustrator. I started working with an illustrator. And before I knew it, she was born. Have you seen the cover of that? I did. Isn't it pretty? It's very pretty. Right. So the illustrator actually created the Firefly. And then then I did I did the rest of the cover. So I, I do that. I do graphics as well. Man. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> where where can listeners purchase these books, Donna? You know, so either either Amazon or if they want it autographed um, at my website at nolanwilson.com. And I'll put a link to that as well. When I was doing some research on the children's book, I came across the autism song. Fantastic idea. Does this get a lot of publicity? Because if not, it's got to get out. This is a really good and a great song. It Well... It doesn't, it doesn't. You know what happens when you promote everybody else? You don't promote you yourself. 
Right. You don't. You don't. And, you know, it's bad. It's bad that you don't do that, you know, and and you just don't. So I kind of create these things. A lot of the things that I've created have been more legacy, like for my my children and grandchildren type Mm, of thing. Okay. You know, to have to have something to hold on to. I've never I've never created. Look, would, would I not like to get a hit song? Well, of course, everybody wants a hit song, you know, but ultimately, we had to, we learned a long time ago, you either write for yourself or you shouldn't write at all. Because if you're writing for the goal to just become famous, rich and famous, then you probably shouldn't be doing it because it's not the right motivation behind doing it. So, you know, we, we have two songs, um, Duty Called, and I don't know if you came across Duty Called. I don't think, know if I did. Yeah, now that song, it's a Vietnam veterans tribute song. And that song was our biggest, and, and I had a temper tantrum and I should have never done this, but at one point it was at almost a million listens. And, and, and you know, we're monetized on YouTube and they decided that they were not going to uh, pay out for any songs that had to do with war. Oh, I'm not kidding. And I was like- Unbelievable. Yeah. And I was like, well, then you don't get the song. And I pulled it down and I regretted it instantly. So I put it back on YouTube and then I was like, ah, oh, but you, my, all of the all of the plays are gone. All of the plays are gone. And I mean, that song was it did really well when it was first up on YouTube. And you know, I think as YouTube grew and there were more, there was more and more content. Then there was more and more competition mm. for that type of song. So it gets less less listens now. Um, but that song, and then we have a song, uh, "Be the Change," which is it was actually inspired from Sandy Hook. Okay. And, you know, that, that nightmare. Mm-hmm. And um, I love Be the Change. So those are two that I are very, you know, special songs to me. Plus, Duty Called was a real story song. So we co-wrote that. Me and my husband co-wrote that with a woman named Bobby Sharp. And it was about a, a 18-year-old that she knew named Bobby who went to Vietnam and did not come home. So it's a true story song. And then Bobby Sharp passed away. What was really spooky here is he died a year and a day after he was in Vietnam. And then she died a year and a day after the song was released. Oh. It was like spooky, spooky stuff. Yeah. Uh, true, but true story song. Most of our stuff is true story. Is that including your new music coming out as well? Yeah. There's usually something, you know, uh, behind, you know, behind what was written. You know, we have an album called Love Story, and the song Love Story is actually about my grandparents. So you're, right, you're writing more from your heart and what you're feeling than just writing songs. Right. Yeah, they come from a place, you know, a place of love or a, a place of pain, you know, whatever the situation is. You know, um, we, have, we have a song called The Present. My sister was battling cancer for a long time, and uh, I wrote that song during her battle. And it was about, you know, that every day is a gift. That's why we call it the present. And she she loved the song. She did hear it. She got to hear it before she passed away. How do you find time to do everything that you have on your plate and in your resume? How do you find time in a day? Everybody asks me that all the time. Um, I don't know. I just do. I just do. I just work. I work all the time. I mean, I just work nonstop, but I've always been driven, you know? So it's kind of like if, if I'm not busy, if I'm not busy writing something, like I'll watch TV and I'll be writing while I'm doing that. And 
and I crochet too. Like I'm always doing something and I sleep about six hours a night. I get about six hours sleep and I seem to do okay on six hours. (laughs) This may be difficult to answer, but do you have a biggest accomplishment that you've already done? No, it's like the next one. It's always on to the next project. Yeah, it's always like the next one. I mean, I th- you know, sometimes I think that I've reached it, you know, like I, like this is this is good, this is good enough or whatever and then I'm like, no, I'm always on to the next thing. So, no, I you know, I don't have I don't have the biggest yet. You know, well, I shouldn't say that. My my children and my grandchildren, you know, because it takes you know, it takes a village and um they're the thing I'm I'm the most proud of. With everything that you have going, there has to be peaks and valleys, times you've been up, times you've gone down. And when the roller coaster hits what you think is the bottom, how do you find the strength to rise back up time and time again? That's a really tough question. Um, I don't know if you saw in your research that my husband is a cancer survivor and a two-time stroke survivor. And I'm a cancer survivor as well, so. I did not know that. So, um, you know, those were some, some very low, scary, Mm -hmm. you know, frightening times. And, um, you just hold on. You, you truly have to hold on music. I will tell you that music pulls me through every single time. Um, I can, you know, he was in, in St. Thomas West in Nashville and I'm, I'm like an hour and 20 minutes outside of Nashville. So I'd have to do that drive in and that drive back. And um, some of the songs that I would hear were, were the ones that got me through. It, it was like, and it was amazing because that same song, when I was feeling low, that same song would come on, like on the trip there or the trip back. And I would be like, how does it know? How does it know I need to hear this right now? You know? And um, so I would say music, music pulls me out of it. Um, I'd like, I'd like to say God, you know, um, because I, I mean, I would say, you know, oh, please, no more, you know, like just not, I can't, no more, you know, and then I would be given these little, you know, like almost like little gifts. One of, there was a low moment and she'll never hear this, but I'm going to tell the story anyhow. I was in a grocery store and this is before the pandemic. Okay. And he was in the hospital. He had just had some emergency. He had been air flight, life flighted airlifted by helicopter to save his leg. He'd gotten a blood clot in his leg, uh, his leg and his life. And I was in this, uh, I'd come home after be two days in the hospital with him. And I went down to the grocery store cause I had no food in the house. And I was like ready to lose it. And the next thing I know, I hear this little woman. Now here I am in, you know, Tennessee. And I hear this woman with a New York accent. And I was like, instantly drawn to her because I'm from Long Island, you know, and turned out her name is Jan. And I just, she smiled at me and we just started talking. We took that, we took the conversation from the grocery store out into the parking lot. And I just told her like everything that was going on. And she's like, we have to, we have to have lunch, you know, we, you, you know, and we did, we did lunch and we did lunch again. And she's now, and she's, she, she ended up moving to Florida and I miss her so bad. Um, but we're talking about, she's like 80. <laughs> doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. 
And she be, she was like an angel when I told her that. God gave me an angel right when I needed one the most because I really felt like I was going to lose it that day in the grocery store. It was almost like I was standing there. It was almost like the store was spinning. You know, like when you say, I'm just, I can't. And then I just heard, I heard this New York accent and I was like, somebody from home type of thing. Because you do, in moments like that, you miss family, you miss home, you miss because we we do we have like I said we've got kids we're all, we're not our first spouses so we have you know we have kids um, we got them in Arizona we got them in Illinois we got them in Pennsylvania we got them in Australia and and grandkids you know so they're just out there but we don't have any relatives here I have a sister in Georgia a mother in Florida the rest of my relatives are are on Long Island we're all scattered yesterday we did a Zoom Thanksgiving. Right. So, I mean, you know, when you're when you're going through these these uh, things, you know, you just you know what they say about the kindness of strangers. It's true. You know, so music and and that woman, Jan, got me through, got me through some of those hard times. Donna, you have so much on your plate. I want to say thank you for stepping away from your life and everyday craziness to come on my show and talk about your journey and and be on my show. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Like I said, this was different. And, <laughs> and I, I didn't know what to tell you to focus on. It's kind of like, what, what do we focus on? I mean, but it's, it's, it's just who I am. It's all who I am. So that's what we want to focus on. I'm sure our listeners got a great insight to what it's like to be a music producer and, a, and an author and everything else you have going on in life outside of that. So I appreciate your, your candidness and talking openly. Well, thank you for having me. If you would, do me a favor, follow me anywhere podcasts are found and rate and review the show. Take 30 seconds, give me five stars. Nice comments are always appreciated. And follow me on Instagram at Before the Lights Podcast. Until next time, everybody, thank you for listening to Before the Lights. I'm Tommy Canelli. A salute, a chin chin.